0: Hello, lovely listeners, and welcome to the final episode of this season of the Pliny Queer Podcast. I'm your host, Claudem Gras, alongside Paula Byrne. We're bringing you a special episode to wrap up this season. It's been a rollercoaster coaster of emotions. We've learned a lot. We've laughed a lot. We have reflected as we've explored the diverse and vibrant tapestry of queer life and culture in Ireland and beyond. We've had an incredible opportunity to delve into a myriad of experiences, stories, and engage with some inspiring individuals from our community, each sharing their own unique perspective and insights. Today, we're not just bidding farewell to this season. We're looking back on the moments from powerful conversations and the lessons that have left us with a lasting imprint. As we reflect on the myriad of topics we've covered, we'll also be revisiting a very central question. Are we still plainly queer? Or are we still bad gays? We'll ponder on how our perceptions and definitions have evolved, whether we've uncovered more layers of our identities or found comfort in the simplicity of being plainly queer. So Paul, tell me, do you still feel like we're bad gays?
1: I'm just in awe of that opening monologue. I think, (laughs) isn't ChatGPT just amazing? Like it's
0: fabulous. It's my the, best friend.
1: <laughs> there was such AI who's just elevated itself. No, that was a very good monologue. Thank you. Thank you for that. By the way, you
0: you always dig me on this, right? When I put into any of the AIs or whatever, I put it in going, this is what I want to say. Now, my words will not be as eloquent as a AI, that is for sure, but the elements of my character and what I want to say are all there if it wasn't true I wouldn't be saying it so just you can put yourself back in your AI box there
1: yes no thank you for the introduction it was very nice I was going to say something I think it was how are we going to emotionally regulate now that this is over I feel
0: like mm-hmm.
1: how do how how do we exist without it no to be fair the I weekly think
0: we therapy sessions
1: the weekly therapy sessions or bi-weekly but I think I think we have kind of slowly started to, I think, detach from it. I think that process has been happening now for a few months where we're kind mm. of like, it's drifting a little further and further away. And so it's not like this band-aid where you rip it off and it's gone. There's kind of, yeah, I feel like it's been slowly kind of naturally taking a a more distant, We can look at it from afar and go, that was, that was that was a nice piece of work. That was a good piece of work.
0: Mm. I think I've learned as well that when we started it, we didn't know what it was going to be like. We said, okay, let's do it for six months. How it started was we were going to have conversations with people, conversations with ourselves and, and see where it starts. I don't think we, when we first had the conversation around going, let's put something together that we thought it would turn into this. And I've certainly enjoyed it. I've certainly learned a lot. And I think going away now, reflecting again on what season one was like and what I have liked, what I've disliked, what I'd like to change and coming back then with the same plainly queer approach going, there's stuff I still don't know, there's stuff I want to know and want to learn and will be continuing to learn. So that's where I feel it's at. And I think it's the right time to take a break.
1: Mm. i'm really looking forward to our special guests that we have on this evening as well i mean beyonce how how did we i think she just must have listened to the show and was like their final episode i just have to go on and like when her people
0: got in touch yeah that's
1: what it was that's listen yeah
0: did you know that we were that big and did you know that we were that delusional
1: kind of had a sense I was that delusional, I guess. (laughs) No, no special guests. Special guests are ourselves. That's it, yeah. What Um, are your, I'm not prepared. I put my hands up, I came into this and I said, I'm not being prepared. This rambling BS is what you're getting as a result. But you are structured, you have notes, you had an amazing monologue entry. So yes, come on.
0: Well, I want to ask you, do you think we're more or less plainly queer?
1: What is plainly queer? What is queer? What is anything? Why did we
0: start this?
1: Why did we start this? I we think it was we kind were of bad like... gays. Yeah, I th- still think I'm a bad gay. I think. Do uh... you? Yeah, but I think I've reframed it now that I'm just I'm just me, like that kind of mm-hmm. way, and I'm still gay. <laughs> no, I'm a... <laughs> <laughs> I'm heterosexual. I'm going to put it out there. I'm heterosexual Ta-da! now. Yes.
0: That was the agenda the whole time, playing <laughs> queer.
1: <laughs> Conversion No, therapy. seriously.
0: Do you think you've learned more about the queer community uh, from these conversations? Do you think we've added to the conversation or we've just two people rambling um, who love the sound of their own voice?
1: i tell you what, I think I have come to the realization that I, I haven't learned, I've, I kind of knew it was there, but what I've done is engaged in the conversations and felt like I have a voice that's relevant in the conversations. So I suppose, whereas before we talked about being in the suburbs and on the outside and maybe not in the kind of, the kind of center of gay existence mm. or queer existence, I actually feel like I have a place there now and I have a voice there now and my voice is kind of relevant. Do you know that kind of so way? So, yeah. You
0: said you lived in the gayborhood before and mm-hmm. now what you're saying is you now keep an apartment in town.
1: Yeah, the suburbs. So I lived lived in the suburbs in the gables. Yeah, yeah, and now I keep a little studio apartment like I
0: Yes. Okay. Do you remember the first episode on language? Yes. I think that for me just it reaffirmed so much. In terms of, we we're talking about how the importance of language in terms of how it gives expression to experience. The representation allows connection to our experience, and further puts language on us. So when we see it in on podcasts, we listen to it on podcasts, or we see it in our TV shows, or we see it represented even in walking down the street and in, in, in queer people holding hands. It's as simple as that. Being able to put language on my internal experience, I think it's so vital. And we've come a long way because I was reading, rereading actually Panty Bliss's, uh, Rory's book, what's the name, what's the name of the book? Woman in the Making. And um, she was talking about the progression they've seen growing up in Ireland and where they kind of finished off just before the marriage referendum went through. And when I was reading it, I was reflecting back on, they didn't have representation when they were growing up in their hometown, they didn't Mm -hmm. have even the language on TV to represent what they did have was the derogatory. And I think that was really important to me of going, okay, keep talking about it. Keep giving experiences, putting language on experiences. So others, when they see it, will know it. I thought that was, that for me was important. I knew it was. But it really reaffirmed it.
1: No, most definitely. I think, yeah, just that sentence you said there, give language giving kind of, I suppose, meaning to experience. That's, yeah, it is true. And then I'm kind of like, I'm kind of struck how kind of repressive things are getting again, though, and how polarized kind of voices are becoming in relation to kind of things mm-hmm. in the world. Like everything's getting to extremes now and people are like taking extreme positions in relation to things. And it feels like the middle ground or whatever ground you can meet on is like falling, like, you know, just kind of just giving way. And all that's going to be left is this massive crevasse between these Polarized sides. It's, yeah, it's that not...
0: actually speaks to. Do you remember the episode we had where we were talking about the what of the, the ten steps to Janet? Do you remember
1: that with Chris? That was a brilliant episode. Yeah,
0: Chris Sheridan was came on and very eloquently spoke on on, on the top on many topics about being queer and uh, trans and non-binary experience. And I think that was one of the again one one thing I learned was I. I would never in my right mind have said that what's happening in the world at the moment to the queer community was anywhere near genocide. But when you're talking about the polarization, there's 10 steps to it, to genocide, and polarization is one of those steps. And if you can put things in the brackets of it's uh, heterosexual versus homosexual or trans or non-trans or anything like that, or gay or straight. You have people fighting against one another. And I think what you're talking about is even in the left and the right or the Democrat and the Republican or whatever it is, if you can have people fighting against that, as you say, the middle ground gets really hard to stay in. That's what people want because they want to, in, in the way that they, Chris was talking about it. They were talking about, democracy being rightly attacked in those moments. And again, one of those profound conversations where I'm like, I did not see that, I did not. I just didn't know to be able to look at it that way. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought to even look at it from that point of view. Um, and in that episode, if you go back to it, I can't remember which, which, which episode it was, what number. But if you go back to it, there is a link to, uh, um, and it's a very good article that lists it out. So don't take our word for it. And if you want to challenge us, very go ahead, right ahead. You're absolutely right. Go check it out. But the data is there for it. And it's hard to deny. So that's really interesting for me. That's another something I learned from this.
1: So how do you counter that though? How do you, how do you fight against, yeah. What was it? This, have
0: conversations, keep talking, keep showing up.
1: But we're only on one side of that divide.
0: Yeah. And listen, you can get quite apathetic about it and not fight, not talk, not what's the point.
1: Season two, you... bring on the homophobes, bring on the transphobes. We're going to, we're going to, yeah. we're well, going to talk this the out.
0: Point. If we keep talking, if we don't try, if we go, what is the point? And don't talk and slink back into the closet or whatever, then they win. But you, you put somebody who hates queer people, hates anything got to do with anything got to do with queer. And you sit them beside somebody and they have the chats and they realize they like the same Uh, sports teams, or they like the same magazines or the music or whatever, the the differences that they have get fewer and fewer and fewer. And they realize I actually like that person, the thing that I hate, the thing that I thought I hated, I actually really like. And queer people need to keep showing up. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying this is a call to action or anything like that, but we do need to, if you have the energy, if you have the capacity and you have a voice and have an ability to even have one conversation, have the conversation. And actually in in Panty's book, she, she talked about, or they talked about how they got really annoyed. There was before, was it before them? It was before the marriage referendum, but it was before something else. It was the marriage equality act actually. It was before they were going to do just not the constitution, but it was just under the law. You could marry, but it was like a partnership. What's the, what's the one pre-wed a marriage? partnership? Something like that, yeah. Gosh, there you go, more plainly queer for me. But
1: I think they were so pissed
0: off. Yeah, they were so pissed off, and rightly so, because there was a, a protest arranged, and about two hundred people showed up at this protest. And what they were saying was, "Would you ever get up off your backsides and protest?" And they were talking about the younger queer generations, like, but it's not my problem. I don't want to get married because that's not the point under the law, you're being treated differently. And it's like now the same thing going under the law, not everybody is treated differently. Do I have to wait until it's my doorstep that it's me that's being oppressed because that's who they're coming for. They're coming for anybody who's not in the binary, in the box and in the societal, this is the way it has to be because that's the way it's always been. And to keep having these conversations. So hopefully the next generation will listen, not just queer people. The allies need to get up off their backsides here too. We have been there for you when you're on strike for work, when you're on strike and the nurses and the doctors and all that sort of stuff, we are there for you. So like, get off your backsides and help us. And even if it's just as simple as if there's an issue that you know is happening, Find out who your local representative is, who your local TD is, and email them. Pick up the phone, or if they're in your town, drop into their office and go, what do you think about this, whatever situation? Ask them what their position on it is. And if their position is different from yours, tell them that because they're speaking into an echo chamber otherwise. So take take up a position and talk about it. I'm off my high horse now.
1: It's okay william wallace it's all good
0: <laughs> yeah what you is go. this?
1: They, they can well, i don't know I, i'm not going to do the mel gibson william wallace braveheart speech it's like yeah. they'll never take our freedom isn't that it yes. and they
0: won't they'll just drive it underground they've never been able to and that goes back to let's talk about queer history there's another episode it has been there since the dawn of time queer people have existed
1: Literally, I think we did go back to the dawn of time and start there.
0: Yeah. There is any any historical, one of the oldest historical records of queer people go back to Mesopotamia, I think was one of the earliest times.
1: What, um, was, what was one of your favourite things to research or to look up or to discuss?
0: Religion and history. Queer religion and history. I, I have a religious history I love and how it evolved and the truth of it rather than the the narrative that you're handed down from the churches and going back to the roman times and how the invention of marriage was put through because they needed soldiers and the only way that they could encourage people to have more kids was to institute marriage between a man and a woman and encourage them to procreate like mad so they'd have future armies to conquer future places it's Mm. really it's simple and disgusting and yes, a lot complicated. But yeah, that was one of the most interesting and most infuriating things that I've ever
1: loved. And you got to share it vocally with tens of nines of people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And listen, here's a good question. How is your anger? Because that came up quite a lot through the season.
1: How is my anger? That's a very good question, actually. Oh, I don't know. I think I'm in that kind of cycle of oppression where I'm in the fatigue stage. And I think maybe that's like this this kind of season one thing has been an actual cycle of fucking oppression where you kind of go through all these realizations. And then at the end, you're like, oh, what's the point? Is it ever going to change? And then you're kind of like so deflated and defeated. But I don't think that's just queer life. I think that's just life in general at the moment.
0: pathetic with your life.
1: Yeah, there is a change of seasons at the moment. So, coming into the uh, seasonal effectiveness disorder territory. But I do love autumn, though. Sweater weather, sweater weather, sweater weather, sweater, sweater weather. weather.
0: Sweater weather. Yeah. Some sweater I love weather. It. <laughs> Even here, I'm, I put on a jersey. I was old enough to put on a jersey and I loved
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love this. I love September. But yeah, sorry. The question from you was Am I less angry?
0: Um, No, I said, how is your anger? Not less angry. How is your anger? You were righteous um, in your anger.
1: Maybe because I framed it as how less is my anger. I think my anger is less, but maybe I'm just experiencing it less because of what is happening. What were you angry with? I was angry listening to all the stories of people who were struggling as a result of not being able to be themselves. I was angry because I was doing a lot of research into situations in the past where people were murdered, executed kind of in relation to the kind of transphobic, biphobic kind of stuff that's going on in the greater society. That was all angering me. So I think because I was in it, and I think when you're in it and you're discussing it, it's, it makes you angry and it brings up all those things. I think like that, because I've come out of it a bit now, it's still there. But yeah, I think it's like a bit of a sleeping dragon at the moment. I think other Do you feel thing, like it
0: emboldens you?
1: I feel like it's in there if I need it. You know that kind of way? Like you can call on it if you need it. Like a superpower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think... Has it emboldened me? It's definitely done something to me. Uh, Mm -hmm. What that is, I do not know. And then you kind of like wonder, crap, am I I a bit numb to it now? It was so present at the time and I felt it so kind of vividly at the time. And now it's a little bit, a little less, a little more numb. And I'm kind of like, what does that mean? Does that mean I've kind of gone back to like bad gay territory or kind of like kind of way it's like have I gone back into the shadows or gone back into the closet kind of thing where I'm just in denial of everything that's
0: happened. Yeah, isn't that something that it's like, okay, I'm not feeling angry, so am I a bad gay? Because we should feel angry all the time with the injustice that's that's going around. Mm. And that's awful. That's what I think one of the things I said earlier was about if you can advocate or somebody, or if you have the energy to fight or to speak to your representative or send the email or do whatever it is or challenge that conversation between a friend. But sometimes it can be so hard being the queer person in the room because you're the representative and you have to be careful of how you say things or you're the one that should challenge everything. And you're like, some people are like, there are days you're just tired. I don't want to be the oracle of going, I'm the queer person in your life. So yes, you come to me with your queer questions and try to understand Like the allies. Pick up a book, pick up the internet, Google it, do the work yourself. I don't think because you're not feeling gay means you're a bad gay. It means you can't be in contact with it all the time. It's okay to step back from it. For your mental health, you need to step back from
1: it. Do you mean it's okay to not feel angry? Yeah, like
0: ta- it.
1: as in. Yeah. Sorry, oh, but I heard, I think what you said was, it's it's okay if you're not feeling gay, it doesn't make you a bad gay.
0: <gasps> oh, no, I thought it said
1: angry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm trying to frame that in my head. Does
0: that make sense?
1: I think sometimes what we're speaking to as well is that life sometimes overtakes that yes there's all there's all that big queer
0: is not all there is
1: exactly and i think that's what's happening to me it's like okay yes i'm gay and i'm queer and like yay i'm here my pom-poms i'm ready to go and then i'm kind of like but other things like life things have come to fruition that that like my queer self is Mm -hmm. perfectly safe and fine within and not having to explain itself but it's not playing a big part in it that kind of way i'm me within that kind of space and whatever like that but it's just not a big deal yeah i think sometimes like you say being gay isn't like everything isn't all of you there are other aspects yeah i think that
0: there's i think it reminds me of something else that kind of That's been percolating since that conversation. And I think it was with Chris again, where they spoke about rejection. Mm. And I hadn't considered, I knew rejection was there because there's the potential when you're letting people in, as we called it, not coming out or letting people into your life, you have a potential for rejection. Very real, very honest, very heartbreaking rejection from family and friends that they'll go, no, I don't want you wrong for doing this. I don't want you around me. And that, that really, really hurts. But. As living as a queer person, you almost face that sometimes daily, sometimes weekly, sometimes monthly, depending on what your circumstances are. So if I walk into a new situation, brand new situation, I have to consider, do I say whether I'm straight or not? No, like a straight person doesn't have to consider that walking into a room. But if you do decide, I want to disclose this, and I want to let somebody in, in on this, I am weighing up the cost of going, well, is this gonna be a rejection, or is there gonna be acceptance or weirdness in this? So queer people live with rejection a lot more than I, I don't think I had it framed like that. I knew you kind of, you're coming out for the rest of your life sort of thing, which is just draining. But coming out for the rest of your life means I have to weigh up the pros and cons of going, is this person place, or whatever the situation is, going to reject me for that? I have to do a cost-benefit analysis. And I don't think we appreciate that as much because, again, it's framed through the hetero world, they don't there there's not a rejection automatically when they're born, when they start to realize, will I be accepted in my school? Will I be accepted in my work? Will I be accepted in my friends? Will I be accepted in my family? Will all of those questions go through their mind and that doesn't stop once they come out, every room they walk into, if it becomes part of the conversation. So does the possibility of rejection. That's just my thoughts on.
1: There's some pretty kind of valid thoughts. What's your next prompt?
0: Do you think about rejection?
1: Rejection came up a couple of times for me in the last while actually. And just the idea of what it is and how we react to it and why we take rejection so bad. And, but I think it's just a lifetime striving to want to be loved and want to be accepted and wanting to just feel like a sense of belonging that rejection just hurts. It, it just, so you're constantly, if you think about it, like probably for myself when I was growing up, I was in constant fear of rejection. So of course you're going to want it. It's like you need it to survive. You need like, so I think you just associate that feeling with not being good enough. You just associate rejection to basically, yeah, not belonging. But
0: society has told us the minute we realize what language is and how queer queer people spaces are talked about. Mm. It's not all. It's not neutral when we talk about queer spaces. That the it's changed quite a lot. But queer, gay, trans, anything like that, especially trans at the moment. If you're a kid growing up trans and you're listening to anything that's going on in the the world, either in here, the UK or America, the world is telling then. Mm, it might not be okay that you're trans, there's something not okay. And that is hard because you're Mm -hmm. growing up in a society, in a world that is potentially going to reject you. So that's your basis. So where do you build yourself up upon that? And I think you are very lucky if your family of origin or your caregivers or the people around you can understand that and help bolster you against that going. That is isn't out there problem. That is not a you problem. That is a societal failing. And I only hope that we are moving towards that. But that's today. If we go back 20, 30 years, being gay was not a good thing. Being gay meant you were never going to be happy. If you came out to your family and even if they were happy and didn't care, they were like, they were sad for you. You're mm-hmm. not going to have the kids. You're not going to have the marriage. You're not going to have it as easy as everybody else. That was the culture you grew up in. You grew up in this expected rejection.
1: So the way they talk about um, generational trauma, it would be like, really, when you think about it, if you take the queer community, what is our generational trauma? And you think about it, it's that yeah. kind of.
0: It's shame and rejection.
1: Yeah.
0: I think. I think that's why you have to keep talking. I think that's why you have to keep recognizing even as queer people, we are plainly queer. We have loads to learn. There's still stuff we don't know about our own community and can learn and make it safer uh, for people to have conversations, providing a space for those people to have the conversations that know more than we do, not speaking on their behalf. And I think that's how we can offer an alternative. I don't, yeah, it's hard. I don't know whether it's good enough.
1: What was your favorite episode?
0: Oh, good question. I think the Irish history one.
1: The two Marys? I,
0: think I loved, yeah, the two Marys. <laughs> <Loved> <laughs> so that. anyone that missed that episode, uh, you, you, that was your introduction. So you, you can tell them about it.
1: No, it was just that was the story of kind of like the legalization of homosexuality and the kind of the recognition of kind of, I suppose, the story of gay rights in Ireland and how kind of Senator David Norris was heavily involved. And then I suppose those people that we didn't realize were so heavily involved in relation to ex-president Mary McAleese and ex-president Mary Robinson. So that was just kind of a chuckle in relation to the yeah. two of them being involved. And if we could get them on the podcast and then what if they hated each other? And what if there's this whole drama? The Housewives of Auris
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: desperate Housewives of Auris <laughs> and Now in its yeah. fifth season.
0: <laughs> yeah, for anyone who didn't listen, who hasn't listened to that episode. So when Senator David Norris was taking that case to the High Court, he had legal uh, advice. And it was both, as we call them, the two Marys, Mary Robinson and Mary McLeese, who were the advisors to that case. I just loved that. I love, cause I, especially as a girl growing up in Ireland, looking at these, again, representations, seeing it and knowing that it existed, everything else up to that and probably, yeah, and, and since has been all men. So having that as a young kid, I, what, like Mary Robinson was when I was that young and she got, I was like, oh my God, she's amazing. And then I suppose coming into adulthood and doing this podcast and then realizing she was a legend, even way back when, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That for me, really, I love that. I love that. And I just found it funny when the Desperate Housewives of Aracene and Duran came up, I was like, Oh my (laughs) God, could you imagine? Yeah. So that was, Uh, what about you? Did you contact them? No, but I did look up, so I could contact. I have a way of contacting Mary Robinson. I don't have a contact for Mary McAleese. So anybody who listen that has contacts, please pass them our way because we'd love to have them on. <laughs> Can you um, imagine?
1: The, for me, I think it was the episode where we had Silva Nives on.
0: Nives, yeah.
1: Yeah, that was, that was a really informative episode. I loved that. The talk about kind of like that shame and like mm. the psych, cycles of oppression and all that sort of stuff. And then even kind of touching on things like compulsive sexual behaviors and like just totally humanizing all that and de shaming. And it was, yeah, I thought that was a really invigorating space.
0: Yeah. And I think as well from that episode, one of the things I didn't really consider, and again, as I opened up my eyes, so there's there's young people coming out earlier and earlier, and we think, great, fantastic, as in it, it is really. We've moved on so much. They don't need to be uh, in the closet per se, right? But as he pointed out, that means they're subjected to a lot more oppression, There's a a lot more homophobia, transphobia, biphobia, whatever it is in the the queerness. They are subjected from that from a much younger age. And I I didn't consider that before. I'm like, it's a double-edged sword. Yes, come out, be yourself 100%, but they are now out, mm. they are now out, and that was something I was like, "Oh, that's caught me," because I just when I think of young people and them coming out, I think it's so precious. I think it's so important, and it's total you honesty. just want to yeah. celebrate it. Oh yeah. god, yeah.
1: But then it must be so difficult in a school environment or a playground environment, or like, could you imagine how yeah. strong and brave and courageous you would have to be to come out at like thirteen? or like Celebrate 14 us. Or, yeah. yeah but like how yeah i just to have that bravery must be mm. like ah, oh, yeah and to experience that but like he said like it's then opening yourself up to all those things
0: yeah and again you just hope that there's somebody all they need is that one person to keep telling them that society is wrong because of uh, the cultural beliefs mm. it's not you that's wrong
1: I think though there there can only be positive long-term effects when someone is that authentic and honest about themselves mm. in spite of all the resistance they could face, like to go yeah. through but your that... teenage years and like that kind of key development stage, just being totally honest with who you are. Oh my God, mm. could you imagine? Amazing.
0: Yeah, I think there's a bit of a fondness that we can look back on it and kind of go, oh my God, I wish I could have done that. I wish I could have just been myself and unapologetically mm. and all of that sort of stuff, but I fear not fear, that's the wrong word. I don't. I just, I would have such compassion and love for that little person and go, it is not going to be easy at times, but you're going to be okay. It does Mm -hmm. get better. And you coming out now is only going to make it easier to be yourself, continuing to do that, continuing to, and knowing that just because I'm feeling this way now at 13, When you're 15 that will change when you're 19 that will change when you're 25 you might be completely different again and that's the point of it and i think as young kids we can really hold on to this is who i am this is definitely who i am and that is great to have that sense of yourself for sure but know that it's going to change
1: you're on fire actually that was a
0: great episode too (laughs) That was a great episode too um, when Dil and when Dill and anne Marie from Insight Matters came on and mm. they spoke about that authenticness and the connection that children have naturally to that and their experience as parents as queer parents as a polyamory family and just their they were leading, I feel, their leaders in that in that they are so authentically themselves so willing to have the hard conversations and they keep showing up, not only as individuals for themselves, but they keep showing up for those in their family that they love and that for me, that is inspiring.
1: Hmm. Who is, who is your inspiration? Like who, who in the world do you admire?
0: Like as a queer inspiration, is it?
1: Anyone, they don't have to be queer
0: gosh, I don't know.
1: I don't know. This just came into my head. Who do you admire?
0: Do you have one?
1: I'm trying to think as you say that. I like that. Who do you I admire? think,
0: I think from an Irish perspective, there's so many names that you can lift out. And I think I'm so grateful and I, and I really, and I really mean, what am I trying to say? I'm so grateful for those that have gone before. And that have fought and what it is more and more inspired me to do is take the baton, mm-hmm. because it can't be on all those five same voices to speak up for the queer community in Ireland. There needs to be more, but also there needs to be more straight allies doing it. But I think at the moment, and it changes probably a few months ago was probably, what's her name right Oh my God. I can't think of her name now. That's terrible but she and her partner have two kids and they uh, had IVF. They're actually pregnant with their third and they had to go abroad for the IVF egg planta- implantation process. Mm-hmm. And they're I not recognized that, legally. Yeah. I think Renee, van Meeting. Rene can't, can't, I'll put it in the notes. I can't remember her name. My apologies to her if she ever listens to this, but that was really inspiring. So and um, their campaign to change the law of IVF in Ireland, because in Ireland presently, um, homosexual couples are not legally recognized as both parents. So mm. her, even though the way they've done it, so even though her partner's egg is implanted in her womb, her partner is legally a stranger to that child. They mm-hmm. cannot be put down as the legal parent. And I just found that her honesty in talking about that, her sharing quite an emotional, private and um, process of going through the IVF and all of that 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 entails going, will it take this is I think it goes their last egg, and the process itself is so emotionally demanding because hormone treatments and so financially demanding. Can you imagine that strain? And I just think, that, she was uh, an inspiration at that time. Then it changes to Panty and Rory, knowing what they did, because they have been so, they have helped Ireland and the queer community so much. One, just by their existence and being unapologetically who they are, but they have consistently uh, and eloquently stated what it is like to be queer in Ireland. They have fought for all queer rights, not just their own. And they've done it in a way that is entertaining. They've done it in a way that is broadening the minds of everybody, not just the queer community. And they have been a catalyst for change in so many ways. So their, their Nobel call speech in relation to what happened with Orgie when they were threatened with being sued. Now there were so many more that have helped along the way. We've managed, we've, we've mentioned, Senator David Nars, they were mm. way back when, and this was all, they, they were one of the founders of uh, this movement in Ireland, and um, so it changes all the time, but uh, probably Panty at the moment and Rory is right up there. So that mm. is a long-winded answer to your question. That's okay. What about you? Beyonce. Yes, she's done so much for the queer
1: community. I admire her so much. Yeah, there's you do, I suppose, admire. What is that word even when you think about it? What's the context of it? I think I do appreciate everything those people have, like all those people have done uh, that you've just Mm -hmm. listed. Yeah, there is so much to be kind of grateful for that others have done for the kind of collective whole. Like being taken those kind of brave steps to kind of like elevate kind of who we are, what we are and push forward. yeah, why we shouldn't have to define or kind of justify our existence.
0: Yeah, mm. there is a lot to be thankful for. And I think again, it just shows the importance. We, we do have to take the battle for them. They can't be the only ones that keep fighting on our behalf. It's our fight too.
1: Oh no, it's happening.
0: <laughs> Annie's back, folks.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm so chill Zen. Oh, I'm Zen. Come on. Just slap speaking my topper in the zen, place. Come on.
0: Speaking of Zen and, yeah. and not being stressed and not being angry, in our last episode we interviewed basically you and were saying about how stress interfer- interferes with sexual function. Yeah, and that's something that's been on my mind since since having that conversation. Let's so talk about it. Of, let's talk about sex, baby. Beep, beep. But seriously, it's it's Is Beyonce so here. Yes. Basic. Oh,
1: I've just just got word. She's in the green room. She's in the green room. Okay. She's just preparing herself. Uh, we've, we've got her demand met. She has her fruit bowl and her twelve puppies. Red M&Ms.
0: Yeah. Yes, and the red m um,
1: and Sorry. But, yes. The most
0: basic of going stress puts you into fight or flight. And just from that function alone, trying to get intimate with somebody, of course it's going to affect it. I was like, that was so basic. Of course I knew that. But until you actually named it, I was like, oh yeah, that really, I don't, that's not talked about enough. That's not, Mm -hmm. we're not educated on that. You're just supposed to be up for it anytime, anywhere, any place. Yeah.
1: You're not hard? Why are you not hard? Why are you not performing for me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? You have a
0: headache again?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Life. Life is fucking difficult. Life is stressful. Life is, there's so many expectations on people. There's like, there's so many of us, me included, people pleasing, doing so much Mm. for others and neglecting ourselves and in doing that we get frustrated and we get angry at ourselves for not prioritizing ourselves but prioritizing others but then to maintain relationships you have to prioritize others and sacrifice aspects of yourself so it's kind of a catch-22 and trying to get a perfect balance is nearly near impossible.
0: That sounds exhausting, like even just as you're saying that, it's exhausting. Yeah, I,
1: I felt like it was a bit like that speech from Barbie that America Ferrara was done in relation oh, yeah. to... Oh I still I haven't watched that. A you're a disgrace of a human being.
0: I know, I know. I'm constantly getting that in like recommending things all the time. I just have to tell people, I watch the same things over and over again. I cannot deal with the stress of life, so I cocoon myself in the things that I've watched a million times. I know exactly what's going to happen. I know exactly how long I'm going to be sad for or happy for depending on the episode I want to watch. So that's how I mind my mental health.
1: I love the way like, what is it? 12 episodes later, we're still fucked. <laughs> yeah. We're
0: going on high, <laughs> now, deep therapy so that I'm, we can have things to talk about in season two
1: i'm going to rehab bye yeah <laughs> me, me and Lindsay lohan and be best buddies by the end of this yeah, uh, yeah. amazing we'll oh, be so. stress-free
0: and then to able to have loads of sex after that so that'll be sex education in season two uh, yeah yes. i think it's been a good season i do i i, I again so kind been of the reflecting only season. back
1: <laughs> it's been a good season. It's been the only season.
0: <laughs> it's a season to start all of the seasons. So we're only getting started. The season to again, end
1: all seasons.
0: Mm, no, I, we haven't had our best yet. Oh,
1: the, best yet come come. the best is yet to come. There's more to come.
0: The best is yet yeah. to come. I
1: feel pressure to um, perform now. And that okay. is causing me stress. I might not be able okay. to live up to your performance expectations.
0: That's why you have therapy in between now and next year.
1: Okay. I'll sort it out.
0: But yeah, listen, folks, we've really enjoyed it. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, speak I for yourself started,
1: from I, don't speak we, speak I.
0: I have enjoyed it. Have you not? Are you about to let me know how, how things are now and that you're like, actually I quit. This was crap. I cannot believe I've done, done this so far with you.
1: No, it's just a good way of kind of communicating in general to speak from I and not we, because you don't actually know another person's perspective, really.
0: Thanks for that. Yeah, you're absolutely right though.
1: Just a little nugget of wisdom
0: there. I have really enjoyed this, uh, this season. I do hope season two, we can continue and even get better, get better in our sound quality, get better in our quality in general. And, but yeah, no, just to reflect again, so much I have learned so many amazing conversations that I've really enjoyed that I probably wouldn't have got the chance uh, not in such a short space of time to have had, had we not set this up. So I am grateful.
1: I am also very grateful. I do. I think looking back, I really appreciate you and the conversations we've had together, really appreciated the guests that came on and gave us their time and just, I really enjoyed the exploration. I think it really was an exploration and I felt like it was a journey. And I don't know if I have looped back to where I started or if I've gone forward, that kind of way. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I've kind of gone in the entrance door, done a loop and came back out the same door Mm -hmm. or if I've kind of explored and gone through to another door on the other side. So yeah, but I really thoroughly enjoyed it. It was, yeah, it it had its ups and its downs, its audio issues, its connection issues, its maintaining social media issues. It's like all this sort of stuff, but it was just such an amazing, just learning experience. I mean, it didn't matter if we had eight listeners or eight million listeners maybe next yes. season mm-hmm. but yeah i really thoroughly enjoyed it and yeah i think like i say my tagline was like zero percent production value but it was 100 percent hard
0: I, I definitely think so too and echoing what you said i want to thank you as well because you've kept me on my toes you kept me researching and asking the questions and you asked some very good questions that make me think. So I appreciate you for showing up and challenging me and just being your lovely self, basically. So yeah, we're having a love in now.
1: Love in. Hey, I'm heterosexual now, so if you're up first.
0: <laughs> oh gosh. No, thank you, but no.
1: <laughs> no need to look disgusting.
0: I love you. I love you, but no, not please, that bad. no. I have a headache.
1: <laughs>
0: i have performance anxiety
1: uh, that so We're perfect
0: asexually together so yeah
1: that's true though yeah i was going to say something but i've forgotten what it was oh never mind it's obviously can save it for season two
0: <laughs> the excitement of it right folks thank you again and we will see you next year for season two of the Plain of podcast Take thank care. you
1: so much everyone bye